Thanks to Feels for supporting the Apple Bits XL. Feels has me feeling my best, and it can help you too. Become a member today by going to feels.com slash AppleBits, and you'll get 50% automatically taken off your first order with free shipping. And thanks to Headspace for also supporting the Apple Bits XL. Even in the new year, it's hard to start a new routine, but if you're one of the 34% of Americans who made a resolution to be less stressed, Headspace is here to help. For a free one-month trial, go to headspace.com slash AppleBits. All right, everybody, let's get to the show. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the show. It's the Apple Bits XL. Brian Tong here, a.k.a. BTZ, bringing it to you nice, slow, and easy. What's up, everybody? Welcome, welcome. For those of you that are new to the show, this is the Apple Bits XL, really kind of a weekly wrap-up of all the big news, all the important things inside and outside the world of Apple. We got the good apples, we got the bad apples, a lot a lot of great stuff coming up in this episode. We're going to actually do something a little different. We're going to hit some stories first, and then I have an interview with Mark Gurman, who has just been dropping bombs left and right with all the leaks for what we can expect to see in 2021. Now, this show is also all about you. Also, all you got to do to be a part of the show, call in with a voice memo, record it on your phone, on your laptop, whatever platform you are, and send it in to applebitsshow at gmail.com. That's applebits with a Z. Put your name where you're from, be a part of it, and we will include those in the next show. Also, this show is brought to you by you. Patreon.com slash Brian Tong is how you can support it. And thank you so much for your incredible support over, geez, I'm about two and a half years into this journey. You can start supporting all my content at $2 per month. $5 is a cup of coffee, $10, $25, $100. The biggest benefits here, you get rewards at different levels, early access to all my content, and a completely ad-free version of the podcast. And it just helps me put together and do all the content. I thank you so much. So Patreon.com slash Brian Tong is how you do it. All right, let's get into those stories. And I mean, I maybe I should call this episode the Mark Gurman Bloomberg episode because they dropped so much information last week. They were all the stories this week. They're a majority of the stories. Now, you know that all, all of you know that I love, love, love the MacBook Pro 16. It is my workhorse. It is my computer. It is my life. So we've heard a lot about what could be coming for the new MacBook Pros last week. We talked about how Bloomberg reported, okay, we've never heard about 14 and 16-inch screen sizes. The fact that they are planning on bringing back MagSafe. They've been testing models without a touch bar. They should be expecting to get more ports as well. Well, Mark Gurman adds onto his report this week and says that, hey, the new MacBook Pro models, guess what? They're going to be bringing back the SD card reader slot For all of you creators or even people who take photos or videos with the DSLR camera or other kind of device, you could transfer those files directly into the MacBook Pro without a freaking dongle. It is so weird how, you know, I talked about it in my video and you read the comments that people say and some people love it. Some people have been holding out for this. Other people say, I never use an SD card reader slot. Well, whether you use it or not, The fact that it's there for any type of content creator, which is really typically, you know, you have those group of users that are creating content on Macs constantly. This is a godsend for them. I mean, this is one of those features that no one understood why did you take it out? And yeah, okay, we got thinner because of Johnny Ives' obsession with thinness, which 
again, has helped the Apple aesthetic, the look, the appeal over the years. But you know, also, maybe this is the right kind of timing, or maybe Apple just held out because Johnny Ive would refuse to put it back in. But as time goes on, parts and components get smaller, and you're able to fit more in less. And so I don't know this for a fact, but part of it could be not only is it a philosophical change within the team, but that they could actually put this port in because the components inside are smaller as well. Now, that's me being optimistic about how they're thinking, but it'd be really horrible if this whole time they could have put an SD card slot in a MacBook Pro, but they just chose not to purely because I was saying, no, this is not minimalist enough. There's also been reports and rumblings that, okay, we have MagSafe. Indications are that MagSafe will actually be a separate port. Some people worried or thinking like, well, what if it just takes up a USB-C port? Well, again, MagSafe isn't a data connection. It's a magnetic kind of, I guess, border or edge around the plug of the power adapter. So you'll still get what we believe to be four USB-C Thunderbolt ports on a MacBook Pro 14 and 16 inch. Um, The current 13 inches only have two that are using the new M1 processor. Of course, you're going to get the Whatever they call it, whether it's an M1X or an M2 processor, that'll be in there with all those benefits. But we're talking about an SD card stop for me? That is the number one reason why I have a dongle. If I look at this, I'm holding this uh, Kingston dongle that has HDMI on it. I don't use the HDMI because you just Thunderbolt thunderbolt out to a, a monitor if you want to. I have sometimes needed to use the USB-A ports to... Uh, Let's see, connect like a, you know, little memory sticks as well. But beyond that, the SD card slot is really the main reason why I have a freaking dongle. So this is going to be a big deal to users that enjoy this. And for users that don't, hey, that's okay too. So MacBook Pro, this is looking special. And by special, I mean bringing back everything that made this laptop a powerhouse, a force to be reckoned with. There are plenty of you still in the comments that said, I never upgraded my 2015 because I was waiting for them to bring back certain ports. And the fact that German also adds that it, they will, he's confirming now, at least according to his sources, before it was being reported that they were testing models without the touch bar, he's saying that there will no longer be a touch bar in the new 2021 MacBook Pro. And some people love it. Some people hate it. I love that. It, took, it takes longer. It takes an extra step to change the brightness and the volume level on my laptop, the touch bar. I don't like that. I don't want that. Also, we've heard rumors and reports that, you know, Ming-Chi Kuo has been throwing this around now, that the new 2021 MacBook Pros would bring even more ports than what we're talking about. Maybe an HDMI port. Maybe a USB-A port, that that seems a little ambitious to me because those are a lot thicker in size. I mean, it'll be really interesting to see if this is a completely redesigned MacBook Pro. Who, To me, who cares if they make it slightly thicker to accommodate all this? Quite honestly, I would embrace it. I would love that. It doesn't matter. I mean, is if they added a little bit of bulk, let's say the MacBook Pro 16 ends up being like half a pound heavier because they made it a little bigger and thicker and added more ports, I don't think people would mind. As a pro user, I wouldn't mind at all. 
So we have the MacBook Pro. To me, an invested interest because that is my workhorse horse and the the most exciting product for me coming out of 2021, even though there's a lot of action behind the iMac. But here's another thing. You know, we had talked about last week, there was just a little rumor that, oh, Apple's been working on a potentially thinner and lighter MacBook Air for 2021. Well, now we have more details from Gurman and Bloomberg. They are absolutely indeed working on a thinner and lighter version of the MacBook Air. The company, though, is planning to release this thing during the second half of this year at the earliest or in 2022. Now, here's what it'll include. It'll have Apple's MagSafe charging technology. So that would be also including the next gen version of the M1, M1X, M2, whatever you want to call it, Apple Silicon Mac processors. Apple's also discussed making the laptop actually smaller in size by potentially shrinking the borders around the screen while the screen will remain 13 inches. Now, the current model weighs 2.8 pounds. Um, it's just about over half an inch at its thickest point. We, I mean, I don't know if any of you who haven't owned a MacBook Air, but not only is that thing thin, I mean, it's, I don't want to say it's sharp, but you don't want to drop that on your foot. You don't want to drop any MacBook Pro on your foot. But also, I mean, there's videos of people like slicing vegetables with the edge, the bottom edge, of the MacBook Air. It's been done for years. But that's how thin this thing already is, right? Now, this is where it gets even juicier for me. The company considered building a larger version of the MacBook Air with this new design with a 15-inch screen. Oh, okay. Could you imagine a MacBook Air with a 15-inch screen? I think that would... That might arguably, depending on the price point, let's say the current MacBook Air is $999. What, $1299 for a 15-inch MacBook Air? That would be a hot one. Now, I would love that in the lineup. But uh, German reports that Apple is not going to be moving forward with this for their next generation. And I'm sure they looked at the numbers and they said, wait, 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 wait. wait. If we if we put out like a 15-inch for $1299, um, why don't we just not make one and push people to buy our 16-inch larger display starting at $19.99 instead of just putting out a 15-inch Air. And I know that we've seen what happened with the iPhone lineup that there is really truly a model for everyone at every price point. What they have the iPhone SE, and then they have the iPhone 12 mini, and the 12, the 12 Pro, 12 Pro Max. So they, they at least have five um, current iPhones that have been released within the past year in their lineup. So I wouldn't mind if Apple did this eventually. I think that right out of the gates, they probably don't want to do that. Maybe they wait till the market matures. They get all the hype around the 16-inch because there's plenty of people that just get a 16-inch for more real, uh, real estate on their screen. You got even you know friends and family members of mine that are accounts that want to see as much of a spreadsheet as they can. And I'm sure they'd love to pay $12.99 instead of, 1999, but guess what? They buy the 1999 model because of that screen. So Apple's being smart here, but I love, I absolutely love the idea of a 15-inch Air. Whew, that, that would be pretty hot. Um, there's also a clarification here that MagSafe again on this MacBook would be its own port, and then there would be two USB-C ports on one side. Uh, the assumption is that this would have a headphone jack 
again, I don't, at the same time, I don't want to assume anything, but that, that's the assumption. So we talk about MacBook Pro, MacBook Air. I don't know which one you're loving, but they both sound extremely exciting and enticing for 2021. Maybe, maybe they spread it out and put the MacBook Air in 2022, but then at the same time, at the rate that their processor is evolving, maybe it's in their best interest to put out a 2021 edition and then put out another 2022 edition because you have to remember there was a time where MacBook Pros, whether you know they changed the form factor or not, they would, they would release speed bump upgrades almost every six months. There was a time where we would always get constant speed bumps uh, if processors were available. And we know that Intel's relationship with Apple has in ways, and I mean, admittedly, and it's been documented, has delayed some some of the output and the technology that Apple puts into their machines. And then also now we've talked about the benefits of the M1. It runs faster. It's cooler. It requires less power. But more importantly, Apple knows exactly when these processors will deliver and how many units of these processors will come out based on their factory. Like they're controlling the entire supply chain. This is going to make Apple a lot more efficient. And I would not be surprised if we see Apple releasing, not right away, but potentially releasing two models a year again in the next few years, if there's enough rapid development from their processor side. Like right now, you got to figure the M1 chip they've been working on a while. So maybe they do an M1X and then they jump up to an M2 within six months. I mean, I could see that they don't have to do it because these machines have so much power. And then maybe it's, okay, takes longer time to mature the M2, the M3, the M4, yada, yada. But I'd love to see them kind of get back to some of those roots. Sure, people are going to be like, I just upgraded my MacBook Pro. And six months later, they release a speed bump. Or I think what they had been doing in the past is more, it wasn't a speed bump, but they'd release a a new graphics card option. Because I remember getting screwed by that when the first 16-inch model came out. I'm like, what? You just announced this? And now there's one with a better graphics card? Come on, guys. What are y'all doing? So I'm excited to see what their pace of innovation is going to be like. Also, Bloomberg is reporting. We know about the IMAX. You know, they called them last, they said last week that these will be, these will see the most dramatic redesign of the entire Mac lineup in 2021. So the IMAX obviously has a lot more space and it's thicker for components and features to kind of be packed in there without having to be super thin. So the thinking is like, hey, what about, Face ID, could Apple finally put Face ID on a Mac? And the Mac that would be the number one candidate would be the iMac, right? You know, we don't even, we got 720p cameras on our laptops. So we're not expecting Face ID on a laptop anytime soon, unless they make it a little thicker. And quite honestly, I would not be opposed to that. It doesn't have to be a big, chunky one. Like, they don't have to be obsessed with being thin. Give us every feature possible and make it a little thicker. We love that. Look what they did with the iPhones, they, right? iPhone got more battery juice, was a tiny bit thicker, and everyone loved it. No one freaked out about that. No one, quite honestly, cared. So the thing was that Face ID would be incorporated into these new iMacs. Well, Bloomberg reports that Apple had actually initially planned to incorporate Face ID, but it's likely to now feature it in the second iteration of this new iMac redesign of 2021 instead of the first. So basically, the new design will come out, and then according to the reports, Face ID will be incorporated, let's say, in the 2022 model. That would be the thinking. So the second model. 
They also say that Apple, who's been working on this, right? We know that Apple acquired Intel for their own antennas. They've developed the underlying Mac support for cellular connectivity. So currently in Apple's labs, they have the ability for their Macs to connect to the internet, just like connecting to smartphone networks. We've seen things like the iPad LTE, right? You can do a direct connection to the internet without uh, using a hotspot or anything like that. That was also planned for this first generation, but neither Face ID or cellular connectivity for Macs are expected to be coming out in in 2021. It looks like it's being pushed out to 2022. And quite honestly, that those are kind of two significant enough features that you can tell a story to be like, hey, these are new upgrades. These are why they're worth getting, including a processor. Obviously, a, a new form factor redesign always sparks a lot of interest and typically generates the most sales. So I'm excited, right? 2021, year of the Mac, it's going to be special. It's going to be good. And, and the iMac with its kind of getting rid of the bezels, getting rid of the chin, going for that Apple Pro Display XDR look, it's going to look real nice. So those are all the Macs things that we have kind of lined up and more, again, another additional boatload of stuff. We're going to have Mark Gurman on the show later to talk about some of the rumors that he had recently reported. The funny thing is that Gurman, when he came onto my show, he talked about his most recent reports. Of course, he didn't tell me he was going to drop a bomb like two days later because that would have spoiled his report. But he also has another one. Look, Apple Glasses, Apple Glass. I know there's a lot of interest and intrigue around this, but I'm going to tell you right now, it's time for us to really significantly lower our expectations. Now, Bloomberg reports that Apple's first AR VR headset is going to be really more geared, not for augmented reality, but it's going to be mostly a virtual reality device, according to the report. Virtual reality. I just rolled right through that word. I'm all virtual reality. Speak English, Tong. Virtual reality device. So it'll have an all-encompassing 3D digital environment for gaming, watching videos, and communicating. According to the report, the AR functionality, right, this ability to overlay images and information over a a real-world view, is going to be extremely limited. Apple is planning to launch this product as soon as 2022. Uh, It will rival, obviously, VR headsets like Facebook's Oculus, Sony's PlayStation VR. You got the HTC. Head, Vive headset as, headset as well. So here's the other thing, though. In this report, according to their sources, this, let's just call it Apple's Apple AR VR headset, is expected to be pricey and a very niche precursor to the more ambitious AR glasses that everyone is talking about. So this headset is expected to be a lot more expensive for example, when you talk about some of those competitors, I mean, they range in prices from anywhere from about like 300 to 900 to $1,000. Apple insiders and actually people they spoke with, they said they, they aren't, you know, they aren't too optimistic about the sales. They have very conservative sales expectations for this high-end niche product. The AR glasses that everyone has been drooling about and, you know, dreaming about are are a lot further down the line, the more mainstream style. So this AR VR headset, they say internally that they expect to maybe only see them sell one per retail store. Apple has about 500 stores. So if you looked, if you use that as a loose calculation, 
the report talks about how, oh, it would just be over 180,000 units in a year. That's excluding, you know, other sales channels like Best Buy or other connections. But it's going, the reason why they're only anticipating that because they expect it to be extremely expensive. The only other Apple product right now in the lineup that kind of has similar sales to maybe one a day at a store, it's probably honestly less than that. Maybe it's about this. Maybe it's actually, if you, some people might buy multiple units for uh, companies. But that's the Mac Pro. The Mac Pro is a product from Apple that sells about one per day at a store. And that product costs, at least the base model is six, basically $6,000. Now, Apple plans to get a higher resolution display in the headset than current VR offerings. And it also wants to include their more advanced chips to power it. This, this is where they at least have an intriguing uh, proposition. The fact that Apple will be using most likely a variant or some sort of M1 chip in this heads-up display. Now, you might get all giddy about the Apple headset, but we have to take a step back and look at the landscape of everything, right? Oculus has their Oculus Quest 2. Um, I was at CES. We've seen a lot of really impressive demos. Uh, Lenovo, they have this product called Think Reality. Is it Think Reality A3 or Think Reality AR3? I believe it's Think Reality AR3. Look it up online. And it's a headset that's still more for enterprise use, but it's an augmented reality headset that allows you to see like three pretty much give you three displays or three screens without actually having to buy three physical screens. Now, the other thing about this is that Oculus Quest 2, great product. Vive, great product. All these great products. So Qualcomm has this platform with um, called the XR2 platform, which is basically a chip that's combined with Snapdragon. And then it has augmented reality and virtual reality. And I mean, the power that this thing can deliver is like, you know, 4K to each eye, crisp graphics and super processing power, 5G integrated within the chip to make it like a truly mobile device. Now, most of the products that we see right now are based on their XR1 platform, but XR2 is what's gonna kind of push the next generation of VR headsets. The other thing that we we don't consider, everyone sometimes we get wrapped up in the idea of like, oh, Apple's gonna be great at everything they do. Apple does great things. But this situation kind of reminds me, not exactly like HomePod, but a little bit, because sure, we know that AR and VR is not anywhere close to being a mature market. So Apple does have an opportunity there. But these other competitors have built true VR ecosystems and experiences. And this hasn't taken them a year or two. This has happened over the course of four or five years. And they're at this point now. Now, Apple can take some of those learnings, but... To imagine Apple not even releasing an actual true consumer-level headset in 2022 would indicate, even at that, let's pretend they fast-track it. They're going to use that product to try and gather some learnings. Remember, we talked about how they put a LiDAR scanner inside of an iPad Pro, and they would take that data, well, guess what, and and learn from it. No No one's really using the augmented reality on an iPad Pro. And I know there's a lot of developers or people that are building software right now that might like cringe when I say that. I'm saying consumers aren't. Developers are playing with it to find that next thing. But also you gotta have consumers be interested enough. It's like, it's not a chicken and egg thing, but they both work seamlessly together. You gotta build the software. Consumers gotta wanna play with the software. Consumers gotta be interested in the hardware to even give it a try for this to kind of rise. Then you have to show us why we need it. No one 
has been able to show us why we need AR, VR on a daily basis yet. I think VR has been able to crack the nut and show us compelling reasons with gaming and fun experiences and unique experiences, but it still hasn't caught in. I really thought that if at any time in the world, this pandemic would have kind of helped accelerate the growth and the interest in VR, but it, but it actually hasn't. And I don't know if that's maybe because, you know, people's budgets are honestly tighter. Uh, people are staying home, but they're not thinking that VR is the answer. And I, I also think the fact that new next-gen consoles came out this year completely kind of sucks the wind out of a VR movement because so many people are still gaming on their home consoles and they're going to invest in that before they invest in VR. So we got to get to the point where VR gaming has enough that is so compelling. And there's plenty of great stuff. Vader Immortal. I mean, you even got PSVR with, um, is it, is it Rebels? I can't, sorry, everyone's going to just rip on me. I mean, I don't play it. My brother-in-law plays it. But there's a lot of experiences that even PSVR hasn't been able to take off enough. And it's an add-on to a great console. So the interest is hard to get there. And if Apple just thinks they're going to come in and swoop in and just change the game with AR and VR, look at how long it's taken to build these ecosystems and these games and platforms. And don't tell me that iOS games in their current format are great for VR. You'll need all new experiences. So it'll be interesting to see how that happens because the reality is that if Apple's headset is coming out in 2022, that means that any type of consumer like the ideal Apple Glass project that we're talking about, 2023, 2024 maybe is even more realistic. What are the other companies gonna be like in that time? That's what we kind of forget. I talk about this with Tesla and the idea of an Apple car. We saw Apple's ecosystem didn't help them with the HomePod, quite honestly. It it actually helped them to at least scrape up, what, 3% of the market from last year? But the HomePod Mini was not, uh, did not change the math of users significantly that jumped, all of a sudden jumped over, ditched their Amazon platform, ditched their Google Home platform. It just didn't. So I think this is going to be really challenging. But if they, they should take as much time as they need to at least get to the point where they can crack the nut of the AR glasses. Because that's the one of the few products that I'd actually be compelled enough to try. Um, we all have ideas of what it could be and what it may be, but I, I don't think it's going to be anywhere close to that because our dreams are a lot bigger than what a first-generation product typically can deliver. I'm just saying. All right, some quick iPhone 13 news before we get to the interview with Mark Gurman iPhone 13 rumor to still feature a smaller notch. Here's the other interesting kind of tidbits that have been thrown around here. Not only will it be a smaller notch, um, obviously this is the Face ID camera module being kind of streamlined. It will The iPhone 13 series phones will continue to use the seven generation lens. So this is that Apple's CMOS image sensor. It'll be using that same one that we saw in the 12 Pro. The other thing is that, according to reports, the iPhone 13 camera, and we know cameras are everything, the iPhone 13 Pro lineup, or sorry, the iPhone 12 Pro lineup that had the sensor shift camera stabilization that you find in literally pro-level type DSLR cameras, that is expected to be rolled out 
to the entire iPhone 13 lineup. That's according to Digitimes. We'll see how that, if that shakes out. That That's exciting from a camera usage standpoint, but I will tell you right now, using the 12 Pro and the 12 Pro Max, I know the 12 Pro Max has image stabilization. I know the 12 Pro Max has a slightly better camera, but once I started using them side by side, I didn't, you know, when Apple lays out the differences, you feel like you might be missing a lot, but I really didn't miss it that much. And also, when we talk about a camera, you know, we, we still have to talk about Samsung's camera system is quite, quite amazing. Now, I don't like how their pictures kind of come out a little um, brighter, like overexposed compared to Apple's, like straight from the camera when you put it on a neutral computer to look at. But the functionality and the capability, even the video capability, I mean, it's impressive. Samsung's S21 Ultra phone has a 10x optical zoom. In case you forgot, Apple's iPhone 12 Pro Max has a 2.5x optical zoom. And I'm going to assume they're only going to be able to get to a maximum 3x optical zoom. This is because Samsung has developed this periscope lens that kind of folds the lens into the body of the phone and allows it that distance to kind of, and then uses a, a mirror to kind of reflect and take advantage of that that length of a phone built, uh, sorry, length of a photo lens built into the body of a camera. Apple's iPhone 12 Pro Max was 2.5x zoom and it's optical and it's gonna stay that way. Samsung's Galaxy S21, this is not a digital zoom. This is a true optical 10x zoom. It's amazing, I used it. If I were going to sporting events or going on the road, I mean, it, it looks, it's sharp, it's clean, it's optical. It's no, it's no fudging with AI or digital zoom. And then the last quick iPhone story, iOS 15 rumored every year, right? Some phones get sunset and left behind for what it supports. According to reports, iOS 15 will end up dropping support for the iPhone 6S family and the 2016 iPhone SE. So if you have those phones or your loved ones have those phones, and if they're working just fine, then don't don't upgrade. But if you're the type that wants to get the latest OS, it, it might be time to get that new phone, get that new new. All right, everybody. Big thanks again to Feels for sponsoring this show. Do you experience stress or do you have anxiety or chronic pain or even have trouble sleeping at least once a week? You are not alone. I am one of those people. Many of us do. And I've been independent for a while now. And I found that at times it's just harder for me to sleep with just all this stuff going on in my head and all the stuff that I have to do. So I actually tried out Feels. Feels is premium CBD delivered directly to your doorstep. And I used it to really kind of try and regulate my sleep to get on a better sleeping schedule and just be more productive. Well, Feels naturally helps reduce stress, anxiety, pain, and sleeplessness. It's easy to take. You just place a few drops of Feels under your tongue and you let it sit there for about 30 seconds. Then after that time, you'll start feeling its effects. And no, you're not getting high here. The thing to remember about CBD is that it's finding your right dose is important and everyone's is different. So you got to kind of experiment over the course of a week or so to find out what you may need to take more or less to get the effects you're, you're looking for. Feels is also different because it offers a free CBD hotline and text message support to help guide your personal experience. Plus, there's a very really detailed informative guide that comes with it and tells you everything you need to do in the packaging, which, you know, this was a new experience for me. So I tried it and I it, it made sense and I enjoyed it. So I'm not going to obviously just try 
CBD without the proper information. Feels works naturally to help you feel better. There's no high, there's no hangover, there's no addiction. And again, I was nervous when I first tried it because it was so new, but it honestly helped calm me down during those extremely stressful times where, look, I'm reviewing product after product after product and I cannot turn my mind off. Feels helped me get back to a routine when I needed it and I think it can help you too. You can join the Feels community to get Feels delivered to your door every month. You'll save money on every order and you can pause or cancel anytime. Feels has me feeling my best every day and it can help you too. Become a member today by going to feels.com slash applebits and you'll get 50% off your first order with free shipping. That's F-E-A-L-S dot com slash applebits to become a member and get 50% off automatically taken off your first order with free shipping. Feels.com slash applebits. And thanks to Headspace for also sponsoring this podcast as well. This time of year, you're probably making resolutions, but don't neglect the single most important thing, your mind. Mental health should be part of your self-care plan this year, and you owe it to yourself to try Headspace. We know life can be stressful, even under normal circumstances, and last year challenged even the most difficult times of life. You need stress relief that goes beyond these quick fixes, and that's Headspace. So you've probably tried meditation before, maybe, and it didn't work or maybe you felt like you were doing it wrong, if mental health is part of your self-care plan this year, you really owe it to yourself to try Headspace. Headspace is your daily dose of mindfulness in the form of guided meditations in an easy-to-use app. The Headspace meditation app is advancing the field of mindfulness and meditation through clinically validated research. So whatever the situation, Headspace really can help you feel better if you're overwhelmed. Headspace has a three-minute SOS meditation for you. If you need help falling asleep, Headspace has a wind-down sessions that their members swear by. And for parents, Headspace even has morning meditations you can do with your kids. Now, Headspace's approach to mindfulness can reduce stress, improve sleep, boost focus, and increase your overall sense of well-being. Just 30 days of Headspace lowers stress by 32%, and then just four sessions can reduce burnout by 14%. Four weeks of Headspace can increase focus by 14%, and only three weeks of use has shown to cut aggression to negative feedback by a whopping 57%. Headspace makes it easy for you to build a life-changing meditation practice with mindfulness that works for you on your schedule anytime, anywhere. And I like just how simple and clean and colorful the app is. It's not too busy. You know, I tried a bunch of different meditations, but my favorite go-to ones are feeling overwhelmed, which happens, and burned out. And I need that because I go really hard on my own. Now it helps slow me down and calm me down, but then I have to get back to work. But I think it always helps to just center me for a moment. You deserve to feel happier and Headspace is meditation made simple. Go to headspace.com slash applebits. That's headspace.com slash applebits for a free one month trial with access to Headspace's full library of meditations for every situation. This is the best deal offered right now. Head out to headspace.com slash applebits today and get a free one month trial. All right, everybody, let's get into the interview. Had Mark Gurman as a guest, and we talked about everything this dude has been leaking. All right, special guest Mark Gurman from Bloomberg in the house as usual. Hey, Mark, thanks for coming out, man. Thanks for having me. Always good to be on with you. Really appreciate it. Man, well, I really appreciate you because you have been a busy, busy man. I mean, we always know that you're working behind the scenes, getting this amazing intel and information and um, just a few days ago, I mean, you you dropped, this is, some people call them leaks, some people call them leak bombs. This was a nuclear leak bomb. I mean, you had everything from iPhone to MacBook Pro to iMac to Mac Pro. So we're going to kind of talk about 
what you wrote about and also maybe get some insights from you. Um, I wanted to just kind of jump right off and jump into, you know, something that people have been drooling about, but maybe we should kind of tell them to slow their roll. The iPhone foldable phone, we've heard a lot about this stuff and you kind of finally reported maybe some more salient things about that. Could you kind of talk about that project right now? Yeah, I see some reports out there on Twitter and what have you about how Apple has, you know, foldable phones and testing prototypes and all such. And they've decided to, you know, move forward with the foldable iPhone and such. But based on what I'm told, that is not true. Apple doesn't have working foldable uh, iPhones or anything of the sort. They're at a very preliminary stage known as, you know, pre-prototype or architecture or even earlier than that, where they're focusing on concepts as well as underlying components. So a lot of the attention right now is actually on the development of foldable screens themselves around the size of an iPhone. And, you know, there's no telling or no promise or no, you know, finalized stance internally yet if, you know, such a foldable iPhone will ever launch. But they're at least playing with the technology, which, which means they're, they are considering it. Um, I've also seen some other reports out there that the, you know, foldable phone that Apple would be working on would have a hinge in the middle, similar to the Surface Duo and such. That's also not the case. This would be very much similar to the Galaxy Fold uniform. So let's say, Mark, you know, even from what you're saying and what I've read from and, you know, what you're talking about, it sounds like even, you know, we're not even saying that Apple's going to absolutely do it, but even if they did it, I mean, we're talking about at least maybe arguably two to three years before we actually see a finished pro- finished type of product if they were really serious about this, right? I think so, at least. That makes a lot of sense to me. Obviously, there's so many other projects going on right now. So there's a, you know, a prioritization factor in there. Um, I don't see a foldable iPhone happening anytime soon. I personally think a foldable iPad makes a lot more sense mm-hmm. and is probably a lot more likely. But they play with all sorts of stuff internally, and this is just one of you know many things, not necessarily on the roadmap, but you know in the works, and still a lot of time before they really decide whether they're going to move forward with this or not. But yeah, just to emphasize, it's it's very preliminary. So everyone who thinks one is coming out in the next year or two, like we said, just just take a step back. You know, I mean, honestly, the Galaxy Fold Z Fold Two was my my favorite device of 2020, and I, I can only imagine what that's going to look like in two to three years versus whatever Apple puts out. But hey, we'll, we'll see. Now, you know, we're still talking about iPhones. And of course, everyone always is wondering what's going on with the iPhone 13 slash maybe it's more like an iPhone 12S. I mean, it, it seems that way. But the biggest thing that I think a lot of people are curious about is, you know, what do you think about this idea that they will have finally bring one model that might potentially be a portless iPhone? Do you think that's really a possibility based on what you've heard or is it still kind of uh, not may not come to fruition? Yeah. I mean, to no one's surprise, this year's phones will be sort of a 12 S like you said, obviously the 12, there was a lot new going on from the new look five G two new screen sizes, right. Mm-hmm. Um, bringing OLED across the line, a lot of new functionality that they were able to pop out despite, you know, COVID and all that. Um, so this year is going to be more of a, a muted update, so to speak. Um, to your question about ports, I think that's for sure going to happen. It's just a matter of it's going to be this year uh, or in 2022 with the bigger, you know, upgrades to the phone or not. Mm-hmm. But that's that's definitely I think in the cards. 
still in the conversation. Yeah, I mean, there's this talk about moving uniformly across the line. Are they going to make a decision to go, you know, USB-C across devices, lightning? I think it's pretty clear what their decision is. They're going MagSafe across the line, mm-hmm. right? And I'm sure we're going to touch on this later, but obviously we know the MacBook Pro is going MagSafe. And I think you're going to see a point with the, you know, the iPad and the iPhones and all those go MagSafe across the line uh, in favor of ports for charging. But I think USB-C is going to stick around as sort of the, the data transfer port, some devices that need it, whether that's a Mac and an iPad Pro and such. So, you know, you, you give us kind of a nice little segue to talk about MacBook Pro. I mean, your your MacBook Pro reporting was pretty dang extensive. So what can you kind of tell us about that? Uh, I We've talked about some of it here, but, you know, to hear it from the actual, you know, person who wrote about it, and maybe there's some other subtle nuggets about that um, we can ask you about. Um, what what was what were your MacBook Pro findings? I mean, that, that seems like we wanted that when the new M1 came out, but it's fine, right? They had to get the chips out, put in kind of some of this, quote unquote, more entry-level hardware, but... You know, I'm in the market to get a MacBook Pro 16-inch, so I'm super mm-hmm. excited about this product. Yeah, so new 14 and 16-inch MacBook Pros. Uh, touch Bar is probably gone. MagSafe is back. MagSafe, as you know, is going to become an ecosystem. It's not just an iPhone thing. Um, you're still going to have the USB-C ports on either side and such. I don't know about the headphone jack. A few people, I think, have been wondering about that. Um, M2 or whatever they're going to call it, I think it's going to be called the M2. That's going to be a big leap in, in performance. This is when you're going to start seeing cores jump to, uh, on the CPU side, 12 yeah, cores, 16 cores, 32 cores, right? And then you're going to see on the graphics side, you're going to see with the you know eventual Mac Pros and such, you're going to see potentially you know 64 and 128 cores. And obviously that gives you a ton more performance and these are really going to be able to rival the high end on, on the Intel side in terms of processors and such. Um, but yeah, I agree with you. These new 14 and 16 inch MacBook Pros are going to be pretty exciting. Uh, I personally am not a fan of the touch bar. I'm not as yeah. against it. Yeah, I'm not as against it as some people are. Like, I don't mind it. Um, it's basically just like whatever to me. Sometimes I, I don't see the utility in it, right? Mm-hmm. I don't find that it adds more than. Uh, that it's worth, right? In, in some cases, wanting to adjust the volume, exactly. whatever it could be a you know pain in the ass from, from time to time. So I'm glad that they're getting rid of it. I don't think anyone's really going to miss it. But hey, they attempted, and you know, in practice, having a function row that can change based on the task at hand, it's pretty nifty. It just seems to not have gelled with as many people as, as Apple expected. You know, with the MacBook Pro. Um I know that you had said that the design will stay relatively the same. We've heard some other reports that it might be more like a flat slate a la, you know, even like an iPad Pro type iPhone design. Have you heard anything mm-hmm. new around that um, design wise or or what indications might be there for you? I mean, maybe. I mean, I wouldn't doubt those other reports. Um, I mean, it's pretty flat as it is. I'm looking at my my 16 inch. So, sure. I mean, they might have some minor design changes. I don't think that's too you know significant. But you know, we'll see how it's framed. We'll see how they look in the product shots and such. But yeah, I mean, I guess to each their own. Some people <laughs> might think it's not. Yeah, some people might not think it's a big design change. 
some people might think it's a very significant design change. So I guess it's up to you. I think regardless of how minor or how big the design change will be, Apple will say it's the biggest design change in you know X many years. So you know, can count the, on that. Yeah, one of the design things you mentioned is right, a brighter, better contrast display. But you you didn't outright say mini LED. Is that because that's still up in the air for the display? Um, I'm sure it's been decided by now. I just you know wrote what I was told. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's definitely a new type of screen technology. To be seen if it's uh, mini LED or not. On the iPad, though, it's mini LED for sure. Nice. Um, you know, with the MacBook Pros, just to kind of get some of your thoughts on this, this is this is kind of an interesting product, specifically for twenty twenty one, because they're bringing an all new processor. But now, you know, it, it's like they're bringing back a lot of the things that people loved about the MacBook Pro. You know, their, mm-hmm. their report talked about potentially, you know, maybe even. Uh, additional po- or at least more ports coming beyond just uh, maybe you know four USB ports. We're getting MagSafe. We're potentially getting rid of the Touch Bar. Is do you think this is a re? I don't want to say a recorrection, but I think it is kind of a recorrection from Johnny Ive kind of being so obsessed with being thin versus utility. I mean, we've even seen their keyboard go back to the scissor switch versus the butterfly. Do you think this is? indications of kind of the new design regime saying, Hey, let's go back to some of the stuff that mate that people really loved. Yeah. I can't speak to whether or not this is like a D Johnny Iving mm-hmm. type of situation. I'm not sure how much of those decisions were, you know, based on, you know, him, a lot of these decisions are made pretty, you know, collaboratively. So it's hard to pin it on just one guy no matter what his role was. Um, but I would go as far to say as they are sort of de-screwing up, you know, the MacBook Pro and some of their, their other products. You know, I think that the Mac really, you know, languished uh, before they sort of rejuvenated it back in 2017, more so 2018, 2019. And I think 2021 is going to be the biggest year of the Mac, of the Mac maybe ever uh, since at least 2012, at least. That was also a big year. So, you know, getting MagSafe back in there, which everyone loved fixing the port situation, perhaps those design tweaks you talked about, the screens and such being upgraded, getting rid of the touch bar. Obviously, they fixed the keyboard uh, last year. Mm-hmm. They also put, they're also going to put in that bigger screen, that in-house processor and, stu- and such. So, yeah, I think that they're going to do a phenomenal job with the Mac this year. And I think what they really have come to realize is the Mac is basically the product that people – who want all those all those things, MagSafe, no touch bar, right? That's the product where they can put the most technology in. This is the product that sells in lower volumes where they don't have to go as mainstream, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas you have more limited opportunities to add, you know, these types of features to an iPhone, if that makes sense. Because mm-hmm. uh, the iPhone, you're talking hundreds of millions of units versus, you know, single digits, uh, millions of units or uh, about 20 million, 25 million units. You know, the Mac probably sells, I would say, one-eighth, one-tenth as many units as the phone. So you really want to appeal to that user base of people, right? And the Mac is probably the product line that you want to take the most user feedback into account for because you are, you know, building this product for a more specialized audience, so to speak, right? The people who buy the MacBook Pro are app developers, creators, students, you know, those types of people, right? Mm-hmm. And you don't want to be fiddling away with a touch bar in class. You know, if you're sitting in uh, a lecture hall taking notes on your MacBook Pro, 
you don't want someone to trip over your USB-C cable and throw that thing to the ground, right? No, um, I don't think so. Right, you want to you want a MagSafe, and so I think that they are really sort of going back to the Max roots. I'm sure, we'll touch upon this, but the Mac Pro and the iMac uh, upgrades this year are just going to be fantastic, uh, based on what I'm told. And so, there's lots of great stuff happening with the Mac. I, I personally have never been this excited uh, for new Macs before. Um, the 16-inch MacBook Pro, what was it last year or two years ago? Was pretty pumped up for, but uh, these next models are going to be pretty sweet. Also, uh, faster charging. So as part of this MagSafe thing, these things will probably be able to juice up far more quickly than the uh, powered raw that's available on USB-C. Yeah, one of the things that I talked about is, you know, MagSafe on the phone is actually magnetic wireless charging, where MagSafe on these Macs, it's still a physical connection. It's just that the magnet on the edge of it allows it to detach really quickly because some people are like oh is it going to charge slower now i'm like no 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 don't worry about that it's, it's just, just a brand it's yeah. just a brand yeah yeah they're building this ecosystem i think you're also going to see other magsafe accessories uh for the iphone right mm-hmm. um i'm not entirely sure uh what those accessories will be but you know you could imagine all sorts of stuff um you can imagine the uh, maybe I don't know a magnet. You can put it on a, your wall. Maybe they're going to come out with their own car thing, right? So, so you know, you touch upon obviously. I mean, the biggest change, at least maybe of significance in a long time, will be the iMac. And so, you know, can you talk about that? I mean, even the fact that the design, according to your reports and people have kind of talked about it. it looks like they're going to kind of try and bring it more closer to what a pro XDR display is and get rid of that chin. Um, but tell me some of the things that excite you the most about this new iMac. Cause I mean, that is a consumer machine, but it's also a pro machine depending on which model you get. So this, this is a big deal for Mac users. And so I've always been, not always before being a MacBook user, MacBook pro user, I was an iMac user. So I would upgrade do you remember back in the 2000s or the 2010s or whatever, eh, before 2010, 2012, whatever, where they would come out with like a new iMac design every few years? Yep. Like I'm talking back in the day when they actually shook up designs every few years, not now when they let Mac designs last for 10 years. <laughs> so like I would get, I'm speaking the truth, I would get uh, the new iMac design every time they had a new design, right? And they were incredible. I think the iMac is one of the best values in consumer tech, not just Apple, but across the entire board. I think the iMac is an amazing product. The, the combination of screen size, just enough performance and price, I think is unparalleled. And the amount you can get done with that bigger, super high-risk screen. I mean, they're on 5K screens at this point for a sub-$2,000 machine with the whole computer built in, right? Mm-hmm. I think the iMac is just an amazing product line. And I'm pretty pumped for this for this new design. And like you said, yeah, it'll look like the Pro XDR display, which, which is a fine-looking monitor, <laughs> except for the $6,000 price point with the stand. <laughs> I don't see... And I think they'll be 5K. They'll continue to be 5K. I don't think they're going to move to, what is it, 6K on the, on the Pro XDR display. And I hope to God it has an eyesight or a uh, FaceTime camera or whatever they call it now. Well, the interesting thing is, you know, even with all these, you know, I saw all these updates that you put out there and talked about. And we'll talk about more of the machines and the Mac Pro. But it doesn't, 
no one is still reporting that anything like the portables will be getting an an upgraded um, webcam. And I think almost everyone that owns a Mac bemoans the fact that we're st- we still don't have a high quality webcam. It's still hanging out, you know, 720p in a lot of cases, like for 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 the portable. So. Did did you get any indication? I know they, it wasn't written there, but any even inkling that they will be improving the webcam or still not right now? No, no word on that. The thing with these Mac webcams, okay, on the laptop it's uh, whatever. On the desktop, it's inexcusable. They should upgrade them. <laughs> but the display panels are so thin on the laptops that True. getting anything in higher, I just don't think it's physically possible. I mean, the iPad uh, Pro that I have right here in front of me. It's uh, it's about twice the thickness, if not more, than my MacBook Pro lid. Um, measuring right now, I would say it's probably close to three MacBook Pro lids, right? And that's a seven megapixel camera. Um, so you know that's 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 the issue. I mean, honestly, I wouldn't even mind if the screen was thicker. And I I, I know, I, I but that adds. I'm just saying, it wouldn't bother me personally. Especially, you know, when you see what some PCs have, and yes, they're using different materials and whatnot, and they can still make a really light computer. Um, they're not going to be, you know, Apple is going to always be into their anodized metal exteriors that have that super classy feel and that weight to it. But I honestly wouldn't. I don't know if I would mind that much if it if it was a thicker. If they figured out what's the thickest possible screen that we could get to even just. Ensure we get a 1080p webcam in all of them. That that well, you have to think care. of the trade-off. Well, you have to think of the trade-off, right? So, what is adding a thicker screen for a better camera mean in terms of weight, portability, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and all that? I just sure. don't think that they would find it worth it for most people. You know, no, a I lot of people. Agree. So it's it's trade-offs, right? Should they get a 1080p sensor in there? Of course. I don't even know at this point. Does the iMac have a 1080p versus the 720p, or are they still on 720 on that too? I believe the new iMacs do, but I, I know that the laptops don't. You know, the laptops for sure don't. Yeah. yeah, I mean, the iMac you have more room to play with. It's a much thicker panel, so you know they should probably get a seven megapixel in there too. What I want to know is if this uh, new iMac will have Face ID, and if these new MacBook Pros and such will have Face ID. Mm. I'm not 100% sure. I know it's something they're working on, but I don't know if it's going to be in this year's models. So we also talked about the iMac, and I'm I'm just just as excited as you are. I I own, I literally own a, what is it, a 2011 iMac. I got the model right before they went to the 5K screen, which made me really not happy, but whatever. I wasn't going to buy a new one. I was like, come on. It was like six months later they got the 5K screen. I'm like, are you kidding me? But whatever, forget that. Um Let's talk some Mac Pro stuff and, you know, we may, it sounds like we'll be seeing this stuff in 2022, but love to hear kind of your insights on the Mac Pro. The Mac Pro, two models, I mean, like I mentioned, uh, there's going to be a new version of the Intel Mac Pro, looks the same, just new Intel processors and such, and then there's going to be sort of a Mac Mini Pro or a Mac Pro Mini sort of like a, a mid-tier product between the two that's sort of like the Mac, or what was it, the Power Mac G4 Cube from way back in uh, the day. That's going to be Apple Silicon super fast, super speedy processors that I think will hold over Apple until they're able to transition like that full Mac Pro tower uh, to Apple Silicon from Intel. But Intel's still going to be around. 
very clear to me that, you know, Intel, Intel is still at the very, 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 very high end where it's at for Apple. Yeah, the, the other thing is that, you know, we talk about the new M processor, I guess, whether it's M1X, M2, wh- whatever they call it. But, you know, that, that that's what's really exciting about these. I mean, you, you talked about clearly they're still in testing, so they haven't locked down the cores yet to say this is exactly absolutely what we're going with with this model. Do you even right. know, you know, we know that the current uh, MacBook Airs and stuff, they and MacBook Pro 13, they have an eight core uh, for the performance cores. Do you know what like the minimum they might be doing with this next generation? Is it 12? Is it 16? Do you have any thought uh, intel on that? I don't know. What, what is it now for the M1? What is it, four cores or eight cores? Uh, eight cores, performance, and then I think four high-efficiency cores. Uh, okay. No, no, isn't it? It's eight, I think it's four eight, cores. Eight total. It's eight, uh, four, eight total. Four high-performance, four efficiency. I believe. You're right. Yeah, there you go. Uh, I think there's going to be variants. I think it'll be either eight plus four or... 12 plus 4 or both. Mm. I mean, that that's the type of performance that I can't wait to see that on a Mac, you know? And to, to yeah. get that on a 16-inch is what I'm most salivating for. You know, we talked about a little bit about Apple going retro and kind of taking the, the MacBook Pro back to some of its roots. I mean, the idea of a Mac Pro looking like a... Power Mac G4 Cube, which is one of my, or at least inspired by it. We don't exactly, exactly know. I mean, I have a G4 Cube in my background all the time. And that was, you know, people may not remember, but it was actually a big flop, right? It, it was ahead of its time. It had little to no expansion. It ushered in the idea of what they learned from that. They could kind of instill and put into the Mac minis, but it was a highly criticized and not very successful product yet it was one of steve jobs's most beloved products and i love the fact that if true right they're paying homage again kind of going back to the roots and really striking a chord with those diehard people that have been using max for 15 20 years or so um that's i i I would love to see something like that I, I agree with you. I think that is part of being able to galvanize that community of Mac users who felt like Apple, to some respects, dropped the ball on the Mac mm-hmm. in recent years until they really got their act together recently. I think that could be a cool way to sort of bring people back, uh, releasing a sort of a, a hero product like that. The difference this time around is I, I wouldn't think it's going to be you know a totally clear design. Mm-hmm. Probably be a you know mostly metal architecture. Okay, you know, so I want to talk about a couple other products. You, you did a lot sure. of extensive reporting with AirPods Max before they came out, and you're on the money, and you talked about how they were potentially, you know, maybe having different customizability with the headbands. Now, a report just came out today, and you know, no one really played with it until now, where there's like a inside the ear cup, there's a little hole, and if you push it with like a SIM tray uh, tool, kind of like in that little hole, the actual headband pops off. I don't know if you saw this report or not, but it does. Yeah, I saw that. So, you know, they didn't release it and they haven't made them available, but I guess technically the ability to swap out the headbands is actually there, but they just didn't lean into that. They leaned into the change in the ear cups, but um, I believe it was one of your original reports that said they were working, they're potentially going to use that, have that feature, right? So, yeah, I had written that they were going to have that feature. And then when they pulled that feature, I wrote they pulled the feature. Uh, I think that when they were originally going to do it, 
there you wouldn't have to use like a sim ejector tool to pop it out. Mm. You would be able to just come right off like the, the ear cups. But I guess this is sort of the meat in the middle approach in case, you know, Apple Care needs to swap it out or whatnot or the genius bar. Oh, that makes sense, right? It, it, yeah. it still has to happen instead of instead of them handing over a brand new $550 pair that's just like, oh, we'll just hand you the headband to replace it if you need to, right? Right. I mean, the, the, the essence of this, I mean, these are like really interchangeable modular headphones, right? Mm-hmm. You can take out the ear cups. You can take out the headband. You can remove the, uh, the metal portion of the actual, you know, ear pieces out. So, you know, very interesting for Apple to release a product that's so totally modular and interchangeable like these, right? When was the last time they did that, sure. right? Other than the Mac Pro. And we're talking about headphones that I guess are almost the same price as the Mac Pro. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Almost, so, almost. Um, nah. Did it? Was there anything that you personally were hoping that the AirPods Max would ship with that that ended up not happening? You know, we have the digital crown. There's there's actually no touch controls. Was there was there any feature for you that you really hoped they brought but that didn't make it in this first cut? Mm, not really. I mean, I think they're they're all pretty there. I'm actually wearing them right now. I've been having uh, some issues on the Mac in terms of bugs and such. But they work pretty perfectly when I have them with iOS. So I think Apple needs to figure out what's going on with the Mac. But overall, I'm you know pretty happy with them. If you yeah. pretend that you don't have to use them with a Mac, you know, <laughs> are they? Are, you know, I, I forgot who I was talking to, but like these are probably the best four hundred dollars headphones on the market. You yeah, four hundred dollars plus. No, no, no. Oh, the, best oh, the joke. Yeah. Is, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not. No, not a joke. I mean, like they're, they're the best headphones on the market if they were four hundred dollars. If they were four hundred, right? Yes, yeah. The totally. problem is, is they're five hundred and fifty dollars. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know the situation with Apple margins and whatnot on these uh, cans, but you know, <laughs> they're pretty pricey. I'm not going to lie, Brian. And here I am wearing them. And I'm sure you have. If you're not wearing yours, they're on your desk or somewhere, right? I mean, I, I did a big-time breakdown of them. and I, I remember. Yeah. Your video was like 45 minutes. I was like, <laughs> I am not watching this. I'm no, just I'm telling <laughs> No, no. It's, you know what? I'm okay, with, I'm okay that you did. I mean, there's people that like freaked out about it, but then they watched it. The way that it was put together, they're like, I can't believe I watched that whole thing. And I'm like, oh, that's good. That means I did my job. But you know, yeah. when I compared them to everything on the market, I really tried to compare them to like, you know, of course, the Sony XM4s, the Bose 700, and then all the mm-hmm. way up to like an $850 pair of headphones. You know, quite honestly, whether or not you want to spend $550 from a feature and from a sound perspective and a build construction perspective, the, you know, they, again, I'm never going to tell someone you should buy $550, but it actually showed that they were worth that price based on everything else that was on the market. Which is what I was, yeah. which was I was honestly surprised about. I mean, that was my goal to figure that out, and it kind of it it revealed itself. So you know, these are great headphones, um, depending on what you're looking for. But it, when we say that, yeah, they're five hundred fifty dollars. I'm just saying that based on what we did, that they, they do they can at least justify that price to someone that is saying. These aren't worth $550 if you compare them to some of the higher end stuff. But, um, you know, mm-hmm. for, for a first gen, I mean, I think they're really great. I mean, obviously, yes, I hope. I don't know if they ever will. I hope they can be lighter. I think that's, to mm-hmm. me, that's just the biggest thing that sticks out for them, um, for me. Uh, mm-hmm. But otherwise, you know, I, I've never had the moisture condensation issue that people are talking about. I don't know if you have. Mm-hmm. No. And I was just joking around. I did jump around through your. Your video, it's pretty Dude, you, good. You, well, it's okay. Honestly, you do not, 
it's okay. You can, you didn't, I'm not telling you you have to watch 54 minutes. I mean, we all got things to do, bro. You know? <laughs> oh, I definitely, I definitely didn't, but I did, I did jump around. I wanted to see what's wrong with this guy. No, I'm <laughs> I, yeah, appreciate, no. I appreciate you. Even but yeah, I did. I, I did. Huh, no, I mean, I don't know. I subscribed to your video. So it was Thanks, like, okay, why not? Um, yeah, you know, since the, since the CNET days, right? Yep, yes, sir. Um, before we wrap up, I wanted to get your comments really quickly on the Apple car because, you know, First of all, I thought it was really interesting when the news broke. It was basically Hyundai that like, it's like, oh, yeah, uh, we're talking to Apple. And everyone's like, what? And their stock jumps up like 20%. And when I heard those stories and people started saying, you know, there were then reports, people saying Apple car coming out in two to three years. I'm like, there is no way an Apple mm-hmm. car is being done. And then you you guys put out a report and it was like, yeah, it's more like five years. I'm like, that that's exactly what I was thinking. I'm like, there was people were getting excited like, oh, we could see an Apple car in two to three years. I'm like, hell no, that is not going to happen. So I'm just curious from your perspective, um, you've covered the Apple car news for a while. You've, you've even covered how there was kind of internal strife of what they were actually trying to do with the whole idea, whether they're going to build a car, whether there's going to be a software platform. Can you kind of mm-hmm. speak about, you know, your knowledge just covering this Apple car thing and how, and, and even how realistic it might be? Yeah, so I'm hearing five to seven years, even more at very minimum, for you know a consumer car, an Apple car, a Tesla competitor, what have you. Um, I don't think the Hyundai thing is true. If I'm being quite honest with you, uh, I think that it's very interesting to me that Foxconn has been building up the capability to develop cars or underlying systems for cars, and that's where the Apple relationship has been. I'm sure Apple has talked to Hyundai in some capacity, but I'd be very surprised if Hyundai is going to be the manufacturer of the car. And I think people need to understand that when when people are saying, you know, Hyundai is going to be working with Apple on this car, it's referring to the overall manufacturing. It's not referring to an Apple-Hyundai co-branded car. Mm-hmm. It would basically be Hyundai as the equivalent to Foxconn in this situation. They do have quite the infrastructure. Have you... You know, you you've been following it for a while. Have you have you heard anything internally? Like, are so is it a thing where they definitely kind of figured out? Because you know, we had heard reports of how you know the staff was thinned out, and because they really didn't have an idea or goal of what they want to do with this, are they even on track to actually try, or at least they're really trying to put out a car? Yeah, I think they're trying to put out a car, but right now, I mean, it's only a subset of the people on Apple's car team that are working on the actual car hardware. Mm-hmm. Most of it is still the underlying software technology. So it's still very early, very early. And, and I think other indications are not accurate. I mean, even here's the thing that I said is, okay, look at where Apple is right now. Look at where Tesla is right now with all their technology, all their all their learnings, and even their battery technology. And it's hard. It would be, I never say never against Apple, but it's hard for me to imagine Apple all of a sudden in five years just swooping and saying, hey, we got a car and everyone's going to flock to it. I never underestimate the power of the Apple brand, but you got to, people kind of forget and they when they get all excited about Apple is that, well, Tesla will have something even better than what they have right now based on all this experience mm-hmm. in five years as well. So what what are your thoughts on, okay, let's say Apple puts out a car. I mean, we're all just throwing ideas out there. Is it something that can automatically be a success? Is it hard to say that because of Tesla's presence? I mean, what are your thoughts on that? I think hardly anything they do these days is, uh, or that they've ever done has been an immediate success. 
obviously the iPhone took some time, the Apple Watch has taken a few years and such. So yeah, I wouldn't say it's going to be an immediate success. I do think it's a space they definitely should get into, and I do think it's pretty interesting and fascinating, and uh, I definitely think they can give Tesla a run for its money. It's a totally different approach though, right? So Tesla, as you know, builds their own cars, whereas Apple would be outsourcing manufacturing. Yeah, it's a totally, you're right. It's a totally different strategy. All right, Mark, you know, I know you're a man who has plenty to do. Could you just let people that are listening that maybe haven't seen or follow your work, where they can find you um, on the internet and, and everywhere else? First of all, Brian, thank you uh, oh, man, as thank always you. for making me part of your show. Uh, love the chat. Appreciate it. Uh, I'm always. at twitter.com slash Mark Gurman. And always happy to come back on, okay? And oh, uh, when I finally do my own thing, don't worry, we'll have you on. <laughs> You're a beast, man. Honestly, uh, always respect your hard work. And I mean, we, we really go way yeah. back. I mean, as yes, way sir. back as when you were a young pup and I was a older pup. And now you're a older pup and I'm an older, older pup. It was my birthday on Sunday, 27. Can you believe it? Yes, sir. Okay, you're 27. My God, you're, you have your whole life ahead of you, my friend. I'm getting up there. And when I said my own thing, I just meant like any eventual podcast. I'm, oh, man. I'm I, I, yeah, I'd yeah. be honored. I'd be honored. So, yeah. well, happy birthday to you, my friend. And um, I hope you enjoyed some sushi. I know you love your sushi. Yes, my uh, very good friend sent me uh, a little too much sugar fish. So. I was going to say sugar fish to go is what we do on birthdays now because that's like, right, that, yes, is, sir. That, is, that is the jam. So, all right, Mark, <laughs> thanks again so much and we'll talk to you soon, buddy. All right, man. Take care. Thanks. All right, so there you go, Mr. Mark Gurman kind of dropping in and giving us a few extra nuggets of fun stuff that was really kind of connected to this week and last week, but so much work goes into getting all the information that uh, we are able to present to you. So thanks again for him. All right, everybody, that's going to do for this week. Before we go, we got to give a big shout out to our Patreon supporters at the Platinum, Apple level, the $100 level, Brandon Ledford, Gil Cabrera, Wesley Frader, Jarrett Lewis, Eric Cohen, and Atari Koenigsegg. Thank you for your continued support. Thank you for all of your support. Remember, patreon.com slash Tong is how you do it. Benefits at every level, early access to my content, completely ad-free version of the show, and then we do a monthly free-flowing one-hour Zoom call in person. It's fun. We just had the most recent one. It was a good time. So thanks for all of you for your support. And if you haven't already, I would greatly appreciate it even during these wild times. So that's going to do it for this week. We will be back here next week. Same bad time, same bad channel. It's the Apple Bits XL, baby. We'll talk to you soon. Peace.